to another episode of the Nothing But Nets podcast. I'm your host, Dave Early. I'm here, as always, with Greg Dennis. We are a Clutch Points pod about the Brooklyn Nets. Greg, welcome back. Good to have you. And uh, it's a good time to be a Nets fan, huh? It's a great time to be a Nets fan. The Nets are back, and so are we. This should be a fun one. Just a couple of games ago, it was all doom and gloom. I forget what it was. They lost like 16 of 19 or 17 of 21. Um, And it just felt like maybe there's some resignation creeping in. You know, the way the team started to talk about things and we're going to do our best. Started to feel like there was a bit of a house money, you don't want to play us vibe that teams who don't truly expect to win the championship have. Well, putting words in their mouth, obviously, doing a little bit of reading. But I feel like that's out the window today. Yeah, I mean, I had actually said on, on a previous episode that it seemed as though the Nets were shifting their focus towards next season. But, um, you know, you, you watched them play last night when they still don't have their full team. But, you know, anytime you have Durant and Irving rolling like that, you're just reminded of how dangerous this team can be because of their star power, because they have guys that are proven winners and, you know, they have depth, they have shooting. So you can understand why they are um, still one of the favorites in the East, even with, as you mentioned, their record over the last 20 to 25 games. Yeah. You know, you, you watch them lose night after night, but they didn't lose much ground or much standing in terms of the odds. And I was checking FanDuel's championship odds. Um, they're still amongst the leaders. You know, some books have the Phoenix Suns at the top, but it was sort of uh, something for me to resolve to look at and see, well, the, you know, the odds makers still really believe in this Nets team. Maybe I should believe in them more than I have because we were trying to suss through some of those like, you know, the facts are that as of today, Kyrie's only eligible for another, I think, four games total. There's, of course, a scenario where they have a play-in game at, like, Toronto, and he's not available, and then they have to host one against, I don't know, Atlanta or Charlotte, and he's not available either. So it's possible Kyrie Irving can only play four more basketball games this season, and then they'd be eliminated with missing the playoffs. Uh, On the other hand, if they do make the playoffs, it's like, is there anyone in that first round who you'd say, oh, we can't beat that team after watching last night's shellacking? Absolutely not. This will be the most dangerous seventh or eighth seed in the history of the NBA without question. And the rule is always when in doubt, believe Vegas. There's a reason there's all those chandeliers up in the sky. And it's because more times than not, they're right. And, um, you know, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but if you're Steve Nash, if you're anyone in the Nets organization right now, you know, there's got to be, this is, this is probably the brightest moment of the season so far. You know, that, that game was one that not only Nets fans, but everyone who's a fan of the NBA had circled on their calendar, especially over the last month since the uh, trade. And, I don't think anyone could have seen it going that way. So I'm sure we'll get into the game, 
But for now, big picture, next season, alive and well. Very much alive and well. I don't think so either. I think if the Sixers had, had come out in that first quarter and James Harden just you know played great, played like he had for the Nets on Christmas, for example, I don't think the Nets would have been devastated to lose. I think at this point they would have been feeling, look, we just need to get healthy. We have Ben Simmons coming somewhere down the road. All we have to do is be a 10th seed at worst, uh, and then we're on the road playing some team who will have to deal with Kyrie Irving. Um, so I wouldn't have been surprised. You know, it's only Kevin Durant's like what fourth game back from a 21 game absence. I don't think they would have killed themselves to win that game last night. If the Sixers were making everything instead, it went the other way. And it was just a huge, huge statement. It was a statement to James Harden, who clearly decided he had better championship odds in Philly. And if you were him, maybe you're questioning that today. Or maybe not. Maybe he knew deep down he just didn't want to be there. It wasn't fun for him to play there for long term. And it wasn't really about winning the championship. Maybe it was winning a championship on his own terms. But either way, you get the sense that Kevin Durant wanted to send a message. Uh, if you wanted a ring, you made a mistake. Yeah, you know, everyone on both sides played it up as just another game. But uh, anyone who watched that last night, you could tell that uh, it was a lot more than that. Durant and Harden, I, I don't believe that they had any interaction at all. Same uh, same on the Philly side with Ben Simmons and Embiid. So I think that the Curry animosity didn't catch up very, with Harden either. There you go. So I, I think I think the animosity is real on both sides. And uh, to your point on Harden, I think. You know, if you're if you're looking at the biggest winners and losers of this game, I, I don't see how you could make a case for anyone bigger than Harden, who, you know, like you said, I'm I'm not saying he regrets the trade after one game. I've got to believe a lot more went into the thought process. But man, I mean, you're playing your old team. You wanted to get out of there. Um, you've never won a championship, and uh, you know Durant even earlier in the week. When they asked him why he thought Harden wanted to leave, he actually said, and I was surprised that he said publicly, well, he's never won a championship. He looked around. He saw I'm hurt. He saw Kyrie's out. We talked about it. Like, all of those things were true, but there was no reason to think that this team was ever a lost cause or that they couldn't get back on the same page and that if they could, that they could be a juggernaut. And now, you know, Harden left. We'll never know all the reasons, but pretty interesting. And, and the way it's playing out, that was kind of um, seems like it, it won't be the last chapter of the saga. Yeah, I don't think so either. You know, I think it was February 8th, a couple of days before that trade, we started hearing rumors that Kyrie Irving might be able to be a full-time player at some point. The Nets are still optimistic about that point. When you think about that, um, it does make you think this wasn't just about James Harden winning a championship, but maybe more so winning one on his terms in a way that he had more fun, a style of play, personalities he, he meshed better with, things like that. Um, but yeah, if you're the Nets, you certainly don't fear going to Philly now. I mean, if Ben Simmons is in the lineup, you could make the argument that that Wells Fargo Center will be even more electric and even more jacked up to boo Ben when he's on the floor and that could backfire again against the Sixers because 
Durant and Kyrie Irving are used to that. They've been the villains for many times in their career. Kevin Durant left Oklahoma. He had to go back and visit. He was booed around the whole league when he formed a super team with Steph Curry. You know, Kyrie Irving has had to visit Cleveland as a Celtic and uh, Boston as a net. And, you know, he's, he's dealt with all that stuff. So these guys live for it. And I think James Harden might've felt tight. I think certainly players like Tyrese Maxey, George Niang and other Sixers that they, you know, Tobias Harris that they depend on were, I don't know, dwarfed by the atmosphere. Yeah. (laughs) It didn't work in their favor. Yeah. So these teams were to meet in the playoffs and you told me, oh, Philly's going to be a madhouse. I think, oh, that's great for Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, you saw it last night. Like, Durant, he really is, uh, at this point, probably, I don't think you would take anyone in the league over him for a big game or a big game on the road. He just looked like the moment was... You know, for a lot of guys, it's like the moment can look too big. For him, it almost looked like it, it just kind of woke him up. Like he was just, he was just like, okay, finally, like a reason to bring my A game. And definitely saw that they had absolutely no answers for him. Um, Tobias Harris looked completely helpless trying to guard him. Matisse Stiebel, who's a, who's a great defender uh, off the ball, still still can you know still can be had Kyrie Irving had him jumping around on a lot of pump fakes Durant never really seemed to be too worried about his defense so you know they're when those two guys are playing and and they're engaged and they're locked in like that and then you surround them with shooters which by the way we we should definitely mention Seth Curry that was a clearly he had that game circled on his calendar even though it wasn't spoken as much uh, from some of the other guys, but he came out and played great. Um, didn't seem like he missed the shot. So, yeah, they that was a statement. No question about it that that was a statement game. If you were to interview, you know, 100 analysts about that trade, and you told them, well, Ben Simmons is not available, Andre Drummond is only going to give you, you know, 10, eight healthy minutes before he hurts his ankle. Um, there's no picks involved. You would have said, okay, the Sixers are, you know, maybe 10, 15 points better at this point. But it's, it was the opposite. It was the Nets were 30 points better. And they don't even have Simmons. They haven't even traded what they might trade, you know, the, that, those draft picks that they got from the Sixers. Uh, and Drummond wasn't fully healthy. He rolled his ankle. Seth Curry, they ran him around a million picks, and Tyrese Maxey just died on half of them. Uh, he was going for pump fakes, like you said. And then on the other end of the court, the, the Nets were able to hide Seth Curry on Matisse Seibel, who's not a shooter. So they didn't make them pay. Um, Steve Nash clearly outcoached Doc Rivers. I don't think many fans would be shocked to hear that. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, it was just a complete drubbing all around. Joel Embiid brought it. He shot like four million free throws. Kevin Durant talked about the strategy. He said, we thought him shooting all those might actually take him out of an offensive rhythm. So we didn't mind it as much as you might've guessed. Um, I don't know if that would be the strategy down the road if they were to meet again, but definitely wonder about these teams being on a collision course to play in the future. And uh, if I were James Harden, I'd be thinking, man, I wonder if I get some of those jitters again. 
Yeah, definitely concerning uh, for for Harden. And I think most surprising was, I mean, they were guarding him with primarily Kyrie Irving and Seth Curry. Neither guy known for their defense, both of them undersized. And Harden's calling for picks. He's clearly unable to get the step. He's asking for calls that, you know, frankly, I don't think anyone thought he was he should have gotten. And, you know, that's got to be a concern. I, I'm wondering, Daryl Morey watching that game, Sean Marks watching that game, where the centerpiece of the trade for the Nets isn't even out there yet. Um, they had to feel pretty good about that. And you mentioned Drummond. Not that he can guard and beat, but it's a much better option than Claxton or Durant, who we saw get thrown around like a rag doll by, uh, with Embiid down there. So, you know, that's significant. And you just go back to that trade and you wonder if that'll really be um, a swing, you know, just just how big of a Like you think, you know, Harden's been traded three times now. He was traded uh, from Oklahoma City. He was traded from Houston to Brooklyn and then Brooklyn to Philly. And each time it kind of shaped the league for the next five to ten years. Just seismic seismic swing in one direction or the other. Uh, so, you know, whether it was breaking up that Oklahoma City team, breaking up uh, the Nets theoretical super team, and now these two Eastern Conference powerhouses where there's stars on both sides, but they're, sides, but they're swapping. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people were looking at it last night thinking like, man, it's Harden, you know, is he, is he tight? Is he nervous? He obviously has a reputation. Or, you know, were the Nets exploiting something that we've also speculated about that he has, in fact, lost maybe one step, maybe one and a half steps, maybe more than that, because that's what it looked like last night. Don't want to go too crazy. Harden's played really well since he's been to Philly. In Philly, that's the first game they've lost with him. But I'm feeling pretty good if I'm the Nets because I didn't even have Ben Simmons out there who will probably be guarding Harden, like last night, they're guarding him with Kyrie Irving. In theory, with a healthy team, they're guarding him with Ben Simmons. So, yeah, not uh, bad. I did not expect Kyrie Irving to play really good defense, but I, I he did. He was a terrific two-way player in that ball game. He has Kendrick Perkins on his on first take today or Twitter today saying, "I will never criticize Kyrie again. Not for vanishing. Not for not playing." <laughs> You will never hear me criticize Kyrie Irving ever again because he played good defense on James Harden last night. Um, so that was a big statement. Uh, Kyrie locked him up. He was, you know, I asked Matt Brooks of Mets Daily this question uh, a week ago or so, who's better, Harden or Kyrie? And he had a hard time with it. And I'm thinking it's not a hard question anymore. I mean, it's maybe it's a complete overreaction, but if each of them signs a four or five year deal this summer, I would prefer full-time available Kyrie than I would full-time available Harden. I know that's a massive caveat because people would say you can't expect to ever have full-time. Something will happen. Something will come up. Um, but in theory, in that hypothetical, I would prefer Kyrie at this point in their respective careers. You think that's fair? I think that is fair. And a big part of it to me is, he just has a lot, a lot less wear and tear. Um, he seems like physically he looks the same as he did, if not more uh, lean and in shape 
than he has his whole career. Whereas, you know, like we've talked about with Harden, it, it, it looks like there's, um, he just looks different. His burst is different. Uh, his body looks different. So, you know, it, it, both guys at their, at their peak, it's got to be Harden. I mean, Harden's one of the best players ever. And even though I thought Kyrie should have been on that top 75, I think uh, Harden I would put a little bit higher. But right now, Kyrie's, I think, about three years younger. And um, I, I would agree. I, I would go with Kyrie, uh, especially because – he uh, seems to have a, a knack and a reputation for playing at his best in big games. And right now you can't really say that about Hart. Yeah. He, he and Durant both seem like the WWE star who started off as a good guy and he was good. But then when he became a bad guy, he was, you realize, Oh, this is his natural environment. This is where he really gets the crowd uh, and he plays off that. And this is who he should be. I think he and Durant both have a little bit of that vibe to me. Um, yeah, I agree. Speaking of the crowd, you know, we should we should touch on what was kind of a spectacle last night. Ben Simmons finally making his long-awaited return, even though he wasn't playing. Uh, he obviously wanted to make sure that he was with the team, that he made himself visible. We talked a little bit on the last episode about kind of how the team would handle his appearances and return in Philadelphia and kind of joke they might do something of a little bit of exposure therapy. And I think he saw that last night. This was kind of the first taste he had of what that might be like if he were to play in Philadelphia um, in a big game coming up. I actually thought that um, it was a bit overblown. And that the fan, you know, part of it was the game got out of hand so quickly that there wasn't really much for the fans to kind of feel good about. That could have gone either way, uh, where where maybe they would have just focused all their vitriol on Ben Simmons. But it seemed like for the most part, um, he was able to get through it without much incident. Obviously, there were boos, there was some chance, but that's to be expected. Uh, what were what was your takeaway on that? Yeah, I think uh, I think Kevin Durant said it best. It's hard to chant about Ben Simmons when you're losing by that much. So I think their play took a lot of the luster out of that environment. Um, you know, when Joel drew like his millionth foul in the first quarter and Durant went flying, um, Joel goes back to the line and there's some MVP chants. But then there was like a raucous F Ben Simmons chant. And you thought, okay, the Sixers are going to get back into this game from the free throw line. But then it went the other way, and the Nets went on another like 10-0 run. They finished the quarter, I think it was 40-23 to 23 or whatever. And it was like, man, this crowd is – by the time they got back to their seats beginning of the next quarter, they were down by even more still. So I think they, they played it perfectly there. And if this was some sort of science experiment, like you said, exposure therapy, whatever, uh, I would feel very, very good about the results because it didn't seem like Ben was rattled. I think he really felt the love from his guys – both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving talked about it, that we had been in our hearts. He's a brother to us. Um, you know, Kyrie said, when we played tonight, we definitely felt like Ben was on our heart. You could see it. He was wearing it. I think he meant like he was wearing it on his, his heart on his sleeve. And we just wanted to go out there and play for him. You come at Ben, you come at us. 
you come at anyone on our team, you come at us. So if you're Ben hearing that, you got to feel like, man, I really made the right decision getting out of Philly where they didn't appreciate me because two of the best players in the entire NBA, two of the guys on that all-time top 75 list. I know Kyrie's not actually there, but he probably should be, certainly when he's all said and done his career. Uh, and they have his back like this. If he's back and in that lineup, and he doesn't really need to play, you know, he's going to be swapping in for like James Johnson. So it's not like they're relying on him to to shoot the ball like they did in Philly. They don't need him to shoot ever shoot a jumper, and it's totally fine. Um, so I think you got to feel good about that. If it's crazy, if everyone's booing like nuts, you might think, oh, good, and then they'll be tight, and we won't we won't be nervous. Yeah, I mean, you could just see him fitting in. He's basically, yeah, he's, uh, he's he can go in. He doesn't need to score at all. He can just kind of go in there and uh, fill in the gaps. So pretty exciting. There's so much and, said uh, about he refused to shoot in Philly, but you never say those things about Nick Claxton. You don't say he refuses to shoot. You don't say that about Rudy Gobert. He refuses to shoot. I don't know that they're going to say it in, in Brooklyn because I don't know that anyone's going to expect him to. It might be better off if he never shoots. Yeah, I would agree that it's not going to be a thing because, A, we've kind of accepted it at this point. Mm -hmm. And B, like you said, he's just going to have a different role than he did in in Philadelphia. You know, it's like if the, if the Sixers had James Harden and they added Ben Simmons, it would be much less of a deal that he didn't shoot. But right. that wasn't the case. And so it's going to be exciting. Um Glad. I'm sure that he's relieved to have gotten this game out of the way. He must feel like I think a, a lot of weight off his shoulders right now. Has to. Has to. And, th and now the next thing is really to just play. It seemed like this was the first big obstacle, and now the next one will just be getting back on onto the court. Yeah. Uh, to that point, I don't know that he's Woj, but Ian Eagle, the Nets Yes Network broadcaster, thinks he could be back sometime next week. He was speculating. But I take his educated guess. I take Ian Eagle's speculation as not nothing. You know, he uh, he confirmed the Chris Hayes report that Joe Harris needed a second opinion. That obviously resulted in Joe Harris needing a second surgery and being out for the year. So I think maybe Eagle knows something. Maybe uh, there is a plan. Now, Steve Nash has already said he's probably not going to practice in full this Saturday. But if he's practicing even a little bit with the team over this coming week, um, I wouldn't be shocked if he's ramped up and out there by, you know, one of those games, maybe Portland, maybe Utah. Uh, and then this team gets even more dangerous, I think. Yeah, I don't think Ian Eagle would, um, would, would make that statement if he didn't have some sort of information on it. So he's coming back just in time. You look at the standings right now, obviously the Nets are going to be in the play-in. And I don't think obvious? it's – I think it's – I think it's pretty clear, right? I mean, I, that's 7 through 10. So you look at the teams that are in there, Charlotte, Atlanta, Toronto. I don't think any of them uh, would be – would have a great chance to beat the Nets. and then. If I'm watching that game last night, if I'm Miami, if I'm Milwaukee, 
Uh, obviously, Philly, I'm thinking, like, I just want no part of this in the first round. Just want no part of it. Yeah, if you look, if you look back and, and look at the, the NBA Finals matchup, it's probably going to be an Eastern Conference team that didn't have to face Brooklyn. Because if you have to play Brooklyn in round one, and then you have to play one of Miami or Milwaukee or Philly in round two, and then maybe the other team in round three, that's just an absolute gauntlet. So you'd think the team that emerges is going to have to deal with two top teams, but probably not three, because it might just be too much to get through. Yeah, that's, that's true. One other note from last night's game. Watching Durant last night, you said it. He just missed a huge chunk of time with an MCL injury. And I'm thinking, like, has there ever been a guy who just comes back from injury and literally does not miss a beat at all, quite like Durant? I mean, Achilles, probably the first guy we've ever seen that has come back and basically been – maybe better, at least as good. Doesn't look like he's lost any athleticism. Then last night I'm watching him just do these like crossovers, soaring down the lane for dunks. And I'm like, this guy has been back for like a week. Um, it's re- it's really crazy. It's pretty amazing. Cause I'm thinking like, well, maybe if Katie's like 80%, then, you know, the Nets start thinking about the future. But now he just looks like as good as he's ever looked. Yeah, the Nets, to their credit, I think, have been a very uh, responsible and conservative organization with him. They gave him the whole year off when he first showed up. They only played him half of the regular season heading into uh, his first season, 2021. Um, And this year, Jacques Vaughn, when Steve Nash was in health and safety protocols, gave us a hint that Durant was ready before he came back. They wanted to make especially sure that he felt comfortable when he made his return. So I think that was our hint that he was prepared to play before he actually played to ensure that he might look like he never missed a beat. But to your point, it's still like he's an alien. He's an alien, and he puts some precision crossovers on Tobias Harris where he gains like like 15 yards of separation if this were a football field. It was ridiculous. He, you know, he hit those hezzy pull-up transition triples on Robert Williams on Sunday. So I guarantee you the Sixers saw that on film. When he even looked at the rim on some of those pull-ups, they bit and it gave him wide open dunks into the lane. The Nets got a few of those. The Sixers worried about three-point pull-ups in transition going and turning into dunks. So it's just he's crazy, man. He's he's insane and Whenever he play he plays like this, you do have to wonder is he the best player on the planet right now? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like we always, you know, seems like he gets forgotten a lot. Or not forgotten, but you know, while he was out, people people seemed pretty quick like they wanted to move on to other guys. And I wasn't um, there was no doubt in my mind he was the best player when I was watching the playoffs last year. And when he when he gets hurt, everybody talks about Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic and Giannis, um, but then he's back out there, and you're just like, oh, right, I forgot. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Um, so, you know, have you, I, I, one thing I have to say, I haven't, I haven't quite been able to keep track of the moving target on the New York City vaccine mandate. 
We've heard it's a fait accompli that Kyrie Irving will be back. We've heard maybe not because of this private employer element to it. Um, what, are, what are you hearing as far as when we might see Kyrie Irving play in the Barclays Center again? Yeah, so they, they pushed some key changes, key to NYC on March 7th that did not impact Barclays. And, um, you know, New York City Mayor Eric Adams used some pretty definitive language that he was not going to create a loophole for Kyrie Irving. But that was followed by, you know, Shams and Woj and even Kevin Harlan on the broadcast yesterday. Uh, I know Sean Marks has expressed the same. There's still a feeling of inevitability, they use the phrase that he will be available. So I don't know the inner workings of City Hall, but I, but I get the sense from following basketball very closely that, they, that the safer bet is that he is going to be a full-time player in time for at least some games this season if the Nets can stay alive long enough for that point. Well, uh, that's, that's pretty exciting news. Um, but, but, you know, but I'm just, so, I'm just trying to read the tea leaves. I have no idea. No, no, you're, you're breaking the story, Dave, and we appreciate it. If yeah. I was breaking you're, the story, I, I would not break <laughs> it. I would just go on FanDuel and put our mortgage on there. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think, you know, if you're a Nets fan looking at this, I think it's not insane to look at that game and say, this trade worked out pretty well for us. We don't have to worry about James Harden making $55 million six, five, six years from now. Um, we've got Ben Simmons coming, who's in a lot of ways going to be a perfect fit. He's essentially replacing a guy like James Johnson in our lineup, who we don't rely on for shooting anyway. Um, maybe relying on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and not a third scorer who likes to have the ball in his hands helps in some ways, or at least maximizes what you get out of those two stars in some ways. And then the draft picks. I don't know if Joe Harris gets attached to those picks, but they'll have some options that they didn't use this year. Maybe they did keep in mind the future. Maybe they get a little more aggressive uh, on draft day and you have that to look forward to also, but seem very much alive. Very much alive. And um, yeah, just hard not hard not to overreact to last night's game because everything just looked really good and they were playing a good team and it was a game they really wanted to win. But you know, we've talked about Kyrie Irving's future with the team. We touched on the likelihood of him coming back and just how good he looked last night. So you know, his future may be coming a little bit more into focus. Where if you're the Nets, you're you're kind of probably resigned to, um, you know, paying him and keeping him with the team, assuming that uh, that this um, mandate goes the way we all think it's going to go. Yeah, I text I text with a big Nets fan, and he's you know I, I asked him about this, and he basically said, "I'm because of the last eighteen months and nothing going in our favor. I'm expecting someone to roll their ankle." or the mandate to never change. Uh, I don't, I don't have any hope of good things happening to us. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. I don't know. I, I feel like every, uh, every team, if you're a diehard fan of that team, you know, barring um, maybe, I don't know, the Yankees, the Lakers, like, like the, the, there's just a lot of, there's, there's always more bad than good. I mean, if you're, if you're a Sixers fan, for instance, you're just thinking like, wow, I thought we got James Harden and I was supposed to be excited. And <laughs> it turns out, right. Maybe not. 
Um, if you're a Knicks fan, that's a whole other story. We won't even get into that. The, the but, um, Celtics beat the Nets the other day, um, and I was talking to my mom about it, and she was like, are all the Boston teams always the best? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another game worth mentioning. And I, you know, I've heard this point made elsewhere, but Tatum goes for 54 and that they barely lose. And you just think like, well, Ben Simmons is out there. He's guarding Jason Tatum and Jason Tatum is going to score regardless, but it's hard to think of a better option to throw on him than Ben Simmons. Yeah. Ben Simmons uh, is like a, a Draymond green type in the, in that he's not going to give you the rim protection Draymond is. But he's the maybe the best option in the league, other than perhaps a healthy Kawhi Leonard. I don't know when the next time we'll see that is to put on a guy like Luca or a Paul George or Devin Booker or James Harden and, and get him, you know, he's sort of best in class navigating screens for his size. Like his size agility combination is like an NFL tight end. You just don't see a guy who could move like that who's also that big. So that'll be that'll be a game. Dare I say, uh, scary hours, the sequel. No, you can't say that. The sequel's better than the original. It's like the Godfather. I think. I think the. um, (laughs) I think it's more fun when we come up with bad versions of. Like, do you have a synonym for us? Like creepy minutes or. Oh, like uh, like Embiid said, he called him and Harden scary minutes. Scary minutes. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if that one's. Don't know if that one's gonna stick. You need something to incorporate um, the whole uh, part in there. Yeah. All right. Let's, I'll tell you this. Um, let's the, chew on that. The tempo should be reflected. It's not quite Steve Nash seven seconds or less, but I think you could see in the game, like they came out to score 175 points from quarter one. They want to run everyone off the face of the earth because much was made about how Kevin Durant and James Harden contrasted in terms of style. Kevin Durant likes to play with that pace. Kyrie Irving loves to play with that pace. Kevin Durant wants when he takes an ISO for a mid-range to be the slowest play they ever have. And even then, he only holds the ball for three seconds. So the new, whatever the Nets are, I don't know if they're a big three or a big 2.5. I think they want to play really quick. Yeah, you could tell they really were making an effort to run last night. Um, They knew that they had they had uh, just a faster team and um you know Embiid obviously the advantage is if you can beat him down the court he's not there protecting the rim and you saw that a few times yeah Ben Simmons when he was giving his introductory Nets presser said I want to play like we played in 2018 when I had Marco Urson JJ out there with me if he's out there with shooters everywhere it's going to be good luck because you can't sag and not cover him because then Seth Curry and Kyrie Irving sprint up to him for a handoff or a wide open three. So you have to cover him because of those screen assists. And we know from watching him back in 2018, if you overplay that handoff, he fakes the handoff and goes and dunks because now your paint is wide open. So there'll be a lot of interesting ways to use him. He's never really been fully deployed as a short roll in half court because he's never played with a guy like Kyrie who can hit those pocket passes and occupy that much attention. He's going to get to do those with, you know, Patty Mills, Seth Curry, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Um, I think they'll get the most out of him. I think it's a tremendous, tremendous landing spot for Ben Simmons. 
not in that there's no pressure because you might have thought, well, if he goes and plays for Indiana, won't be that much national pressure. The fans will love him no matter what they win or lose. The Nets will be pressure, but in terms of fit on a basketball court, uh, it's hard to think of a better one than this Nets team. Yeah, it's it's ideal. Um, he just gets to have all his strengths come to the forefront and never worry about his weaknesses. I mean, I think we all wish we could do that in our jobs, right? <laughs> Good point. Um, any any parting shots? Any final thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, I think we, I think up? we, I think we're going to see uh, the Nets finish strong. Now, obviously. Kyrie is out for the vast majority of these last games, unless there's a change. But I think we see the Nets finish strong and uh, win, win the play-in, and that's when things get really exciting. Yeah, uh, I'll just leave you with this. Kevin Durant was asked after the game about his exchange with Joel Embiid, what was said, and Kevin joked. He was like, you know, I was beating my chest and I was excited, and Joel told me, Yo, you was on the floor though. <laughs> Thought that was pretty. <laughs> yeah, that was that was definitely um, the highlight of the game, and uh, that's not the first time we've seen them. That that's a that's a really fun rivalry because, as we've said, you know, it's based on those guys really, really like playing against each other. Yeah, Drummond was out of the lineup. Kevin Durant could feel the atmosphere. You know, it was a minute left in the first quarter. He steps in there, not to take a charge, but like basically to take a foul on Joel, who doesn't even flinch. Durant goes flying, but he knew that if he got up and started jawing, the place would go insane and his teammates would rally. And sure enough, his team went on like a, you know, like a 9-2 run to close that quarter right after that moment. Method to his madness, no doubt about it. Yeah. All right, Greg. Thanks so much. Uh, really good time to be a Nets fan. Terrible time to be a Sixers fan. I don't think it's crazy to say you can hit the panic button a little bit. I know it's just one game. I know the Sixers are better than they were last night, and the teams will be more evenly matched the next time they face each other. But when you're looking at the how the trade goes into what we saw last night and the future and the maybe a four or five-year max for James Harden, um, Hard not to feel good about where, where Sean Marks and Steve Nash finished up on that. Well, I agree. Although I'm sure, I'm sure you're a listener of Andrew Bogut's podcast. He said that um, Bradley Beal will be joining. So there you go. Yeah, Bradley Beal goes to the Sixers to, to rescue them. Um, then we'll, that'll be scary. But then maybe the Nets can trade Joe Harris – and two picks and get like Miles Turner and, and play five out anytime they want. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this like you said, this will this is just getting started. The arms war has only just begun. Uh, thanks, Dave. Good time today, and um, we'll be back next week, right? Yeah, I hope you uh, hope you get back in the lab and crunch some numbers and some scenarios for us. And uh, come up with come up with what's going to happen on and the narratives that we'll be talking about in two weeks from now. Sounds good. Talk to you soon.